Welcome to the DeFi podcast, where we attempt to imagine the future of crypto, because foresight is what makes great investors. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment. All statements made by hosts or guests are strictly beliefs or point of views and are not recommendations to buy, sell, or hold any security. Hosts or guests may hold certain securities discussed in this podcast. Hi everyone, I'm JF. I'm the head of growth at More Money Finance. I'm a next founder and CFA charter holder. My co-host Jared is a crypto and equity trader, an ex-founder and an ex-crypto fund manager. And today we have the pleasure of welcoming Dag, who is the co-founder of More Money. Uh, he was previously an, an engineer in Silicon Valley, uh, specialized in machine learning and distributed systems. Uh, and um, welcome Dag. Hello guys, nice to see you. Nice to, nice to see you. you. Yeah. Um, I'm really happy to be here, and I've been following your progress closely, and I think you're doing a really great podcast here, and I, I love that it's entering the fray. Thanks. I think there's really cool, an opening for the, for the kind of stuff you're doing, the focus on the Avalanche ecosystem, and just the format that you have. Like, It's not super long form, but you do go into depth, and it's not all just excited children jumping up and down. Which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I think we're trying to make it a bit more of a conversation about DeFi and crypto rather than just making it purely all about, you know, marketing or 4,000% APYs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll try to keep it tight uh, today as well. And I, I think we, we have agreed to maybe doing a few of these conversations over, you know, maybe every couple of weeks. Uh, updates and uh, today we're going to focus on more money because there's a lot coming but uh, in the future we may focus on other topics that are not more money related yeah we can um, blow so, a lot yeah um, I, I was wondering if you could uh, we could just start by um, you explaining uh, your name yeah so directed acyclic graph is um, one of my favorite data structures it's one of the ones that we don't usually get on the blockchain so it's somewhat aspirational. A lot of the data structures that we have are tree structured. There's one root to it. Like the new block is always the newest root. I mean, you can theoretically, this is getting into the weeds. At any rate, it's my favorite <laughs> data structure. Yeah. It expresses a lot of um, aspirations about things that can make us more efficient as distributed systems. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Maybe we can deep dive into that uh, at a future time, actually. Sure, be, sure. Kind of fun. Um, would you be um, um, able to uh, maybe briefly intro uh, what your responsibilities and what your role is on the More Money project, as well as uh, Sir More Money, uh, the, the other co-founder, and sort of give us an, a brief overview of the team? Sure. So More Money got founded by the two of us, and I come to DeFi from just being a tech guy, being a software engineer. And on the technical side, it's like, this is another area that I can apply my skills. And Sir More Money has, he's had really good connections in the Avalanche ecosystem. And uh, so we've been messing around in DeFi for a little while. And I come to this mainly from writing the smart contracts, running the whole tech stack that we have, and working with the other team members to actually get the work done. And then I collaborate with Sir More Money on the product design. That's what we do together in the product development. Um, both uh, co-founders are, obviously I'm public, uh, and but both co-founders are uh, private personalities. Um, so wh why are we keeping you anonymous? Yeah, I mean, it's not the most essential thing, but we considered it to be a good idea at this time. We don't know how regulations will develop, 
and it just adds an additional layer of, of some safety to the project. And ultimately it is about a community project and it is about getting to a DAO and us being just a part of it. Great. So, um, quick backstory, uh, the, the way that I found, uh, more money was actually with Jared. Speaking uh, of, speaking of market yeah. research, how did you find us? <laughs> I don't think we ever talked about this. <laughs> yeah. Like in, uh, in the form so I, you need to fill in, like, how did you find us? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, it's actually Jared found the project first and then we looked at it together and we were both sort of, uh, enthralled. Uh, and I, I would let actually Jared, maybe you can tell us, uh, why you were so bullish on the, on the potential of this project early on. So, um, I was uh, just browsing Twitter. Um, I was looking at the, uh, the AVAX hashtag. I was just, you know, looking for active, uh, projects, you know, announcing their different offerings on Twitter. Um, I came across the more money finance Twitter page and, uh, I thought it was interesting. I just, I, I saw them talking about how they have a stable coin, they do loans, they have 0% interest, um, and they do yield farming. And um, I took a look at their platform and it looked very cool. I mean, it wasn't live at the time, but I read the white paper for the, the More Money platform, um, the fact that they wanted to create collateralized positions that were based in a yield farm and then had a loan attached to it. And, uh, I thought it was, it was, uh, it was really interesting because until this point, not including Ave, there is no one actually who does both of these things. You can't find anyone who does yield farming and lending at the same time. And so I just, I thought it was cool. I looked into the, this, the, um, the tokenomics and the plan for the stable coin and the way that the stablecoin was going to work, um, I thought the potential for the stablecoin looked very big. Um, if this thing built up, you know, what it could potentially build into, that it could be huge. Um, I noticed that um, you guys were building pretty quickly. It seemed like your turnaround time from your announcement and your audit and then launching the LP farm and then launching the platform right after that, it was like one thing right after the other. Um, you had kind of picked up some things that were changing in the market and it looked like you guys were able to kind of just switch and uh, adapt to it pretty quickly. Um, especially like, you know, extending on that, like building out in the open, every time you were looking at doing something, you were talking about it first and then you were able to gauge kind of the community response and you know, we're able to see kind of like in a transparent manner what you guys are doing, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and then even further on that, just the fact that, you know, you have very good communication, you know, you can go on your discord or you can go on your Twitter and you can directly access the more money team and they'll actually respond to you, which is pretty rare. You know, you don't see a lot of people that you can actually contact with. And if they do, it's pretty robotic and kind of automated sometimes. Um, so you guys were pretty accessible. It's interesting that you say that because I often feel like I'm not doing enough of that. So maybe that's, that's what drives it. But, um, thank you. Um, um, yeah, I think, I think, I mean, sir, more money is very, very active yes. Uh, on, yes. on the discord. And I think that's like super helpful. I think the speed at which you were developing, I also uh, noticed early 
you know, I think even on the launch, it was like, oh, maybe like later this week. And then it was like, oh, no, we'll do it today. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it was just like, uh, you know, the, the deadlines are usually be, always being pushed back. And, and I saw you guys pushing the deadlines forward. And I was like, wow, this team is like really trying to sort of move forward. Um, so the speed, the fact that there was no VCs attached to the project, uh, so it was like a fair launch and the community gets to keep more of the project. I thought was very attractive. And then when we discovered the more liquidity white paper, I think for me that made like a big impact. Jared, do you want to talk about that quickly? Yeah, I saw I saw the the white paper that you guys had posted for uh, the more liquidity potential project. And um, I saw it as kind of like, this is the thing that needs to be developed in order to make AMMs more competitive going into the future. Because right now you see a lot of problems with like projects having a really hard time getting up and running, getting their funding, yeah. getting these massive pump and dumps that happen. And if you can have something like more liquidity where you can kind of create this leveraged system to increase liquidity in these pools, you know, let's say even before they, they, they launch, you're going to be able to combat these massive pump and dumps because the slippage will be so much lower from the beginning. Uh, it just seems like a, like a much better way to launch projects rather than having these super small pools. People can buy up like, you know, 30 or 40 or 50% of the available tokens within like the first five minutes and the price sky high and more people start getting in because they see this trend happening, they sell it off and then it's a massive crash. Um, I, I totally and then agree. just beyond... Beyond that, more liquidity just looks like a, a really great way to get um, better yields on other LPs and uh, you know different tokens as they get traded, as they get fees. And yeah, thanks, thanks for saying that. Um, I agree completely, and um, I'm really glad that you were able to recognize that. Sometimes it's like you put out a white paper, you're not sure. I mean, we haven't yet published the the system. This is still in the works, and it's sort of been rejiggered for v2 to come first uh so i'm really happy somebody read it sometimes people just don't read this stuff right and um that's really good to hear if that's what we're excited about uh Dag, do you want to tell us what your um you know i i think for me the, the more liquidity um idea and then let the me other actually ideas. briefly just say what the more liquidity idea is so that people can like gauge whether they want to look sure. it up more or not and just a little sure, bit sure. about that and then we'll, we'll go into um some of the future perspectives. So more liquidity is based off of the uh, perception that there's a real problem acquiring liquidity for new tokens quickly. And you're like spending money on handing out incentives and that sort of stuff. And we realized that having a stable coin is, gives us some special powers. Like if you have a, a fairly liquid token, I mean, theoretically it wouldn't need to be a stable coin, uh, but you need to have a token with sizable liquidity, the kind that you usually only get as a smaller project if you if your product is a stablecoin. If you have such a token uh, and you have some way of minting it, you can theoretically mint it into the liquidity pairs that people are setting up. And then there's a trick that we add to make it so that we can just mint. Like, so we we do the thing where theoretically you put in like, 20% your own capital on the on the money side and we give you 80% just into the pool. And um, uh, sorry just for a second. By 80% do you mean you're going to be able to under collateralize an 80% loan of the money token? 
Yes, yes, exactly. Which is, I think that's pretty cool. And we, we are able to technically ensure that you can never drain that, those funds so they are safe. Uh, but it, in a sense, we're warping the Uniswap V2 algorithm, which is the Uniswap V2 algorithm. It just is too, too sensitive to price moves for small liquidity. Like in a sense, we're just sort of manipulating the balance of that pair, but it works. Like you're manipulating the balance of that pair so that it looks higher to the algorithm. And, and particularly if people are launching new tokens, the protocol has more than enough of its own token. It can capitalize one side arbitrarily, all right? Like it can put as much of its own tokens as they want into that pair. And then you just need a much smaller amount of capital on the other side. So uh, JF and I have recently spoken to Firestorm from um, Dexalot, and we've been talking about the CLOB model as a way to vastly improve the ability for small tokens to get launched because they don't have to provide this massive like other side of the liquidity pool. They just provide their tokens and then it goes to the market and it gets traded. It, it looks like more liquidity could actually be a very good way for AMMs to stay competitive against a club. Uh, have you considered that that's like a real possibility for um, kind of improving the efficiency of AMMs? Yes. I mean, for me, this idea was born out of my frustration with how popular Uniswap V2 is. It's, it's a good piece of tech and I'm a little surprised that it's been sticking around for so long. So there must be something about it that is sticky. And if it's there, we might as well make it work for us. Okay. So it seems as if there's going to be people who are going to turn to their Uniswap V2 clone AMMs, and they're just going to, they're going to want to work with that. And we want to give them a better way of doing that. And what is important, I'm not sure how they're doing it with the market makers, but it does sound like it's not entirely as light a touch as we might be able to offer in terms of a completely permissionless system where you just click a button, you set up your thing. I'm not sure exactly how, how their model will work out. Yeah, because the club model might put pressure on the AMM, but this could be what relieves the AMM pressure and, and keeps AMMs competitive while you know, offering the superior user experience that AMMs have over, over club. So yeah. yeah, yeah, could become something that all the AMMs really are, are seeking. Yes. Uh, so this is kind of the basic idea. It's getting higher capital efficiency out of the existing Uniswap V2 infrastructure using stablecoin. It's just one of those ideas that well, it, it's, I like to think about sort of what is our ethos as a project, as a protocol. And I like to think that it's somewhat in that vein. It's in both the vein of, we try to make the most of your money. Like it is called more money as, you know, as in your face as that name is. We try to just ratchet things up as much as possible to get the most out of it. And at the same time, it's uh, from my perspective, Part of the motivation for building a stablecoin has been that you can do these kinds of things. It's a very special kind of asset uh, to put out there. And it has really special capabilities in essence. And a lot of other stablecoins, I don't think are really putting that to as much use as they might. And we aim to really exploit as much as we can. The, the defining role that the stablecoin has, in my opinion, in the DeFi replacement of fractional reserve banking. Now, JF, 
you asked me about sort of the future perspective and that sort of stuff. Um, a lot of it, I think, is guided by that, by that view. If you look at fractional reserve banking, right? Uh, I'd go to my, I go to Wells Fargo, I deposit my dollars, they add to their reserves. They're now emboldened to uh, mint, uh, you know, a fraction of that as, as a loan to somebody else. It's, it's, it's literally the, like the numbers are fairly similar, how this all works. It's just that in DeFi, you mint that kind of loan to yourself based off, off of some other denominated collateral. And then you can go and do things with it. But the process is the same. You're creating capital. I have the deposit, which is, which is money that, that is making money for me in the more money system, like it's earning yield. And you have then the stable coin, which you're pulling out, which you can then use as well in other contexts. You can use it as collateral for something else. You can use it, um, you know, you can take the value and run with it in V2 of more money. You're going to be able to basically protect yourself against inflation with this stable coin. It's kind of an interesting aspect of it. Um, so this informs some of my thinking. Well, if we pull it back a little bit, if you have a stable coin, you can do things like more liquidity, which actually is unique to our money stable coin because you need that functionality, that specific functionality we built in so that the funds can't be drained. You can also do things such as spinning up custom stable coins for particular purposes. Uh, so for example, you have a collection of NFTs and you want to provide lending against these NFTs in a stable coin. Now, if we as more money did that, we would be like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, with our, you, we're not gonna, we're not just gonna take your NFT and you could be manipulating the price or whatever. They are non-fungible. They're hard to scrutinize what their value really is. Usually, like even if you take avalanche party animals, which are cool, they're backed somewhat by some assets in the avalanche ecosystem. They, the, the value of those assets is doesn't even compare to the value that those NFTs are traded at, right? So. You can't say, we're going to liquidate your NFT and it's sure to work out. If we did that, we would run a high risk of debasing our stablecoin. But what you can do is you can say, look, we're going to spin up a new stablecoin for this particular collection of NFTs or for this particular use case. There's some interesting use cases. Uh, I actually put out a, a small white paper on, on like use cases for launching uh, new projects. Uh, but so you can spin up a new stable coin for a different use case, and you can use your existing stable coin in a variety of different ways to interface the two, right? You always need to manage risk, but you have this power to set up um, new stable coin pools between the two, work with those, incentivize them, or perhaps put some liquidity in from the project or not. So I think it opens up possibilities of that kind. So um, what I'm hearing you say is that we have the basic idea of building a really cool borrowing platform, but then really what's interesting is the stable coin, which I fully agree with, um, because you can build uh, much bigger products on top of that. Uh, yes. More liquidity is one of those products. Uh, how, how many ideas 
on the scale of more liquidity do you have floating around in, in, in your brain? Mm -hmm. I, I would say it's at least three, maybe five, um, that, that are sort of at that, at that level that, that connect to the, the money stable coin. Another thing is, for example, most stable coins go down the route of offering leverage of some kind, right? And we're going to do that as well. And we might do this sort of classic leverage where, you know, you take a flash loan denominated in your stable coin to like buy a bunch of the asset you're going to flash it, zap in basically, and then uh, you come out with a leverage position. It's, um, that's a simple way of doing things and it works for a lot of uh, use cases. And our, our version two will offer, um, to just put in a plug for it, it'll offer, I believe, a much tighter story on why that wouldn't debase our young stable coin. Because uh, if, you, if you make it so attractive to hold the stable coin because you're earning interest with it, then you have, I think, a good balance of cost-benefit so that the, the peg gets held, the, the peg gets upheld, even while some people are empowered to leverage if they have a good hypothesis, right? So you can go down that route. Something like, like a lot of people have been doing perpetual uh, futures contracts, and they're quite nice. I mean, you have that ability to have leverage without having direct market impacts and that sort of stuff. But a lot of times the capital just sits there. Like it's, it's, so, it's so anathema in, in a sense to, to the ethos of, of what we're trying to do. Like the capital that gets put into the pool that gets distributed between the bull and bear side of a perpetual futures contract, it usually just sits there and doesn't earn yield. Like that's kind of sad. Like to do something along those lines, uh, first of all, we're going to have a stable coin that will earn you yield. And sure as hell, we're going to use that if we use our stable coin as the basis for the capital that gets divided by the two portions. And you can maybe even compound that in a variety of different ways. Um, I think it's a really interesting idea that you're going to be providing yield on a stable coin. That's definitely something that's not very common. Yes, and I hope it, it will create quite interesting dynamics. So we're, we're still sussing out how that's going to work. So we're at a point where we will very, very likely tokenize the yield earning position in our stablecoin. That's going to be a token of its own. And it's going to be interesting if that's going to get a life of its own or not. But we'll, we'll see how all this shakes out. But yes, yeah. So um, sh should we talk about V2 that's coming out soon? Yes. We mentioned it a few times. So yeah. um, when you're launching something, there's usually a few UX issues that you'd like to iron out, and we're going to do a V2 to do that. That's the first thing. And then we've integrated an idea that sort of more, more money came across where you try to solve one of the biggest problem that dogs new stable coins, which is to keep up your peg without making your users excessively unhappy. So we initially launched having forced redemption be a core part of what we're relying on to maintain the peg of our stablecoin. Forced redemption means when the stablecoin in question is undervalued and you have users who have deposited and taken a loan in said stablecoin, 
you force redeem some of their position, i.e. you sell their collateral for them to undo their loan, to repay their loan. And uh, this is you're essentially doing what users should be doing anyway, because there is an opportunity. If, you've, if you're in a position of having taken, say, a money loan and you sold it for, say, USDC, and you now hold USDC or whatever other asset you might be holding, and you sold USDC at a dollar, and it's now trading at, say, 95 cents. You're really depegged here, right? Then you have a 5% gain that you can make. And users often don't see this or aren't paying attention, and then they don't undo their positions and do this. So the alternative idea here is that you institute an interest rate and you do a base rate, which uh, our goal is to kind of attach that to inflation. And you are able to adjust this interest rate based on the peg of your stable coin. So if your stable coin is leaning towards unpegging, you can raise the interest rate. And then that motivates users to come back and actually fix their positions because they're now drifting into territory where they might be in danger. So then they, they get motivated to do the process of, of undoing some of their uh, sold money and coming back. It also has the benefit when you do that, which I, I haven't seen as if If you redistribute this interest, like people are like, ah, oh, I don't want to pay interest rate. No, we're going to give it back to you. We're going to give it back to you if you stake your money stable coin into the system. You will get this yield back and you will be able to boost your yield using the sort of V more, like popularized by Curve and Platypus. Um, you, you are able to boost your yield on your money stable coin, lending a use case to our more token. And just by having this place to put your money stablecoin, we're making it significantly less likely that such a large proportion of users will trade out of the money stablecoin. So it might make sense for some people who have a good more position to just borrow money just to put it in there to get their inflation protection and then some. So our goal is to give you some inflation protection if you just want to buy the money stable coin and have a stable coin that earns some yield and this yield just canceling out inflation. But in the mixed in the mixed calculation of you being able to boost, some users might be able to earn a you know a decent uh, clip on their money stable coin uh, sitting in that system just because their boosted interest rate is fairly high. So I think it might be really quite attractive and uh, it will make it so that those people who happen to just want to use our system to put, to earn their yield on their collateral and aren't like, there's a, there's a new option in town, right? You can decide, I want to trade this for another stable coin and go off and do something else with it. But you might as well just say, oh no, I'm at least while I'm, while I'm making up my mind, you know, I, I maybe took a loan to take profit and provide like a low, like a lower bound, and I'm maybe going to use some of my capital to trade on, but maybe 50% of it, I'm going to stick in there to earn yield. It will keep 
users from not knowing what to do and then just trading it for for USDC and, and then having that USDC sit, sit in their wallet or something like that. So I'm excited for that. So I do have a concern with the, um, the forced redemption. So hypothetical scenario, like if someone is, let's say they're being very, very capital efficient and they're using up a large proportion of their sort of loan to value or collateral ratio space, and they're actively managing that position. Um, and let's say they're keeping it very close to the liquidation point, but you know, they're doing intentionally because they want to be able to have the highest amount of loan because they're doing something else with that money. Um, and their collateral, let's say, is sort of decreasing over time, but they're topping it up, okay? So we've set the stage for the hypothetical. Um, is there a possibility that you could be, uh, through forced redemption, sort of punishing people for being very capital efficient? Or am I interpreting this incorrectly? I think there's several things to say about this. First of all, with version two, we will be moving at least somewhat away from forced redemption. Like our our goal is to not okay. do it. I'm, I'm not going to promise that we would never do it. If there were extraneous events, uh, as a community, we would come together and maybe say, okay, we're going to activate force redemption again. But uh, I have some hope that we'll never have to deal with that ever again with the model that we're looking at here. Now, our competitors in this space will need to be dealing with this kind of concern. I will say that um, in force redemption, usually the user who's being force redeemed against makes a profit, of some, like a slight profit perhaps, but makes some profit. Uh, in, in that scenario. I, I'm sure there are some situations where somebody walks away with like, they had such a well laid out plan and somebody messed with it. And and that, that actually leads to them suffering in some way for shape or form. I would say in general, it's probably just people are just pissed when people mess with their wallets, with their money. People aren't happy about that, even if they make a profit off of it or something like that. Um, so... Just because so yeah. the angle that I'm, I'm thinking of, I think in most cases, if you are collateralizing with a stable coin, chances are it's a win-win scenario, even if you get forced redeemed on. Um, but yes. let's say you are oh. using AVAX as collateral, right? And that AVAX is going down in value. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. That could be a tricky situation, I think, because then know, you're redeeming I'm... somebody who has a, as a kind of um, a devalued cur like currency. Yeah, I think that's a bad idea. And uh, so we have done a little bit of forced redemption and only ever against stablecoin positions. Right. I think running a stablecoin landing system with forced redemption against non-stable assets, you're completely right. That's People can get hurt. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just... <laughs> and and other, other protocols are doing this. And so I, you know... Okay. God bless them. That's that's their choice. I'm not I'm not happy about that. I don't like that. And we only ever did, you know, stablecoin position holders for us. Um, sh should we talk quickly about uh, the other V2 features? So we're also go going to reduce the borrow rate, um, and then we're going to add more strategies. Yes. Um, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So 
if we're charging interest and we're funneling that to our stablecoin stakers, we think it's fair to lower the minting fee, which will put us in a very competitive bracket in terms of stablecoin. Like if you want to mint your stablecoin on Avalanche and aren't sure how long you're going to hold it, and with us, you'll be paying 0.1% for the minting, I think you might be rather happy for going going in and out fairly quickly. I mean, I know with a lot of other systems, there's a bit of a hurdle involved. Like, am I going to do this? And then once you're in, you're maybe, you're somewhat stuck with it. So I hope we'll have a, a, a more attractive system for people to be able to go in and out and not pay too much. So we're going to lower that. And um, so we're going to add more strategies as well. The aspect here is simply... We initially relied more heavily on loan self-repayment to maintain our peg. And that's going to be less of an issue going forward. So we will still offer self-repaying loans, but our protocol will be less dependent on it, which will make us somewhat more flexible for adding popular collateral, say, just via our partnership with YieldYak, as a compounding collateral. We can do that a lot more quickly just with the developer resources that we have at this time. So we'll be able to just add more assets in, in that regard more quickly and easily. So uh, I think uh, just moving forward, um, I was wondering as you guys are continuing to develop and you guys are kind of rounding out where you see kind of your strategic decisions taking you um, in order to achieve these, what do you think are kind of your most, uh, your biggest challenges in front of you right now? That's a good question. What I really do like about more money is that even when the price moves up and down, most of the complaints we're getting are like, this feature doesn't work. People are using it. So we don't have to, we do have to be concerned about the more token price. And it is not the main thing we are offering at this time. So we have some time to figure that out. We have competitors in this space. And uh, stablecoin is a fairly well understood thing. So there's the challenge of setting ourselves apart, obviously. And I hope that what we're saying, like this focus on innovation, focus on building unique things will we'll just set us apart over the course of time. I would say, if I, can, if I can talk about sort of my personal failings and challenges, is I may not be the best at selling things. I can be good at coming up with things, and we're really happy to have you know, brought in some support in actually making this thing more better sold. And uh, that's an important challenge that we face as well. So have I covered it all? Probably not. But I think those are some of the core that we have, that we face. Cool. Um, so um, last couple of questions, I guess. Um, sure. Why did you guys choose Avalanche? What do you think is uh, good or uh, better about the sort of Avalanche system? Avalanche has been really good for us in terms of our connections, which are already there. It's a great user experience. The price, even though you know it will fluctuate and go up, it's an L1. Um, it's it's still quite affordable. 
particularly considering the amount of yield and excitement that there is in the system at this time. We, of course, will always be open to other blockchains as things develop, and we're keeping abreast with things. But for now, it's a stellar choice. Great. So I think we've covered a lot. Uh, I would wrap it up at this point. Um, I, I think it would be great to uh, have you back as a regular guest. Uh, I, I enjoy working together, and I think you have a lot of uh, great insights um, that we, we would like to explore, all three of us, uh, in the future. So maybe a few episodes from now, we can uh, get back together and, and catch up on V2 launch, how that went, right. uh, and the other things that we're dealing with at that point, and then also other topics. That sounds like fun. Yeah, I definitely like to delve into more uh, sort of different aspects of more money in the future. Yeah, and let's talk some more tech as well as, as time develops. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks. See you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.